I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg, fried egg, the dreaded fried egg, fried egg, fried egg, fried egg, fried egg, fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Arnold Palmer is the Masters champion of 1960. He has birdied the last two holes to catch and then move ahead of Ken Venturi. One of the greatest displays of courageous golf that anybody has ever seen any place. Uh, up the hill. Oh, did you ever see one like that? Oh. I think that's one of the greatest spots I've ever seen in my life. There it is, a win for the ages. Is it his time? Yes! Well, here it comes. Oh my goodness. Have you seen anything like that? Hello, friends. I'm Jim Nance. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to the Masters Tournament. I've heard it said before, it's a tradition unlike any other. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today we are joined by PGA Tour and Champions Tour star Craig Stadler. Craig was a four-time All-American at USC and most notably won the 1982 Masters. Craig, 2014 was your last Masters. What's a typical Masters week look like for you now? Uh, Obviously, the landscape has changed a bit, but... uh... You know, I, I'm here all week. I get in Saturday and uh, I play Sunday, and then I've got dinners <coughs> dinners during the week. Uh, I've got past champions there on Tuesday. I obviously uh, Tuesday night I go to the cocktail party with my wife on Wednesday, and I just kind of hang out during the week. And I got out the range a little bit. I like watch the guys I, I haven't seen practice a bit because uh, you know, I've been so removed from the PJ tour for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, no chance I get to see him as occasional. I watch it on TV. So I spent a little time out of there and just kind of hang around the club and got a lot of friends and a lot of members that are friends and just kind of socialize more than anything, I guess. That's, but it is kind of a work week as well. So I'm busy all week. Uh, speaking of the champions dinner, what's who's put together the best menu since you've attended? The best menu over all the years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I don't remember half of them. Um, you know, the combinations are pretty, pretty bizarre. We've had from haggis to steaks to monkey sausage to, uh, barbecue. Nobody has ever 
since I think a couple of years after I won, they started with past champions being able to pick the menu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as I can remember, we've never had fish. Interesting. Well, it's kind of interesting. So you didn't get to pick the menu when you won? No. No, I think that started in 85. What What would be uh, your menu if they uh, if they let you have at it? Oh, we had, we had your choice of steak, chicken, or fish. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any of them stick out as the worst dinner? Uh, none of them have been bad. Okay. I mean, the, the thing that people, that half the people, half the guys probably didn't like was the haggis, I'm guessing, but uh, I thought it was fine. But no, it's always been entertaining. Uh, I think the most bizarre one was lump meat crab tail cock, crab cocktail with with hot sauce, dessert, and cheeseburger. <laughs> was Tiger's first win. <laughs> a little bit all across the board. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it has been. It has been. It's always been good. Wonderful. I recently watched the 1982 final round when when you won, and uh, I'm curious. I you know the 17th hole, you got one of the worst divot lies I've ever seen, and then you hit a great shot that spun off the front of the green that it looked like it was going to be really close. Have you ever gotten two worst consecutive breaks on a hole? Uh, well, you know. I don't really call them breaks. I mean, it's there. It just matters where your ball goes. But, you know, it, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to see after the tee shot. But, uh, you know, the pin on the front right there from that giant dude, was, I did hit a, I hit a heck of a second shot. Almost, it almost went in. But, uh, you know, anything on, the, <clears throat> anything on the front right over there, if you, if you leave it short, it's going to come back off the green. Mm-hmm. Which, couldn't really do much about that. It was very embarrassing. Uh, yeah, you know, chipped it up to about six inches or so, made an easy par. So it was, uh, but it was a trying back nine, obviously. Yeah, uh, I, I shot forty by opening nine on Thursday, and I shot forty by closing nine on Sunday. So not very good games. They they usually say you know it's if you can avoid one bad eighteen hole. So you just you bookended it. I did. I shot seventy five the first round and seventy three the second round. Mm-hmm. Or the last round, but the Thursday and Friday and Saturday were pretty decent in between. <laughs> Excuse me, that was the uh, that was the second year they had come back to Bentgrass, and the greens were were really fast. Probably the fastest eh, a couple of years ago. They were really quick too, probably about the same. But they were absolutely lightning fast, but they were really spiked up. They're just a year old, and and we didn't have soft spikes back then, and. Uh, they they got spiked up pretty good, so which I think is the main reason that uh, that Florida Park won the tournament. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it seemed uh, like the conditions were really tough the first two rounds too, with um with the wind in the, in the second round, and and then obviously the the fast green. To, it's um in terms of playing at Augusta on like a normal week, say you know a month or two before the tournament versus the practice rounds versus the actual tournament, how does the golf course change? Uh, the greens are slower. You know, I never I never came in early and played practice rounds, but uh, the last, oh, eight or ten years, I've taken a couple buddies once or maybe sometimes twice a year. A year. And uh, the golf course is in immaculate shape year-round, but the greens are, are definitely a bit slower. Than they are during the tournament, um, 
I tend to, when I, when I do bring some buddies, uh, friends that, that, uh, come with me, we play the overseas because it's pretty much the same as it was back in the eighties distance wise. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm 65 and, and it's 30 years later, the golf course is about the same for the member teams, maybe a little shorter. But uh, I think it's, for me, it's a lot more fun for the Yankees. I, I enjoyed that course a little shorter than the length it is now. But you know, the length it is now is, for these guys, is the place basically plays the same as it did for us 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're at nine irons and we're at four irons. Now that we're onto the course, outside of obviously the distance, what have what would you say are kind of the biggest changes that have happened over the years? Uh, you know, not much. They don't they don't make major major changes. The only one they really made major, well, two of them. They <clears throat> Jack we did the green on thirteen, and uh, a long time ago. And then every year they see every other year they seem to slowly build the hill the exact same way and creep that tee back on 11 to where from the bottom you can go off 10 and it looks the same. Well, all of a sudden you get up there and now it's, what, 70, 80 yards longer than it, or 70 yards longer than it used to be. Mm-hmm. used to be 440, uh, 60 yards, and that's uh, 505, I think. But those are the two major changes. Most of it, uh, and moving the first tee back. Yeah. If you remember way back. Remember back in the seventies and eighties and actually nineties, uh, early nineties or mid nineties, probably the, the back of the first tee used to be in front, about eight yards in front of the magnolia tree, and now the front of the first tee is about twenty yards behind the magnolia tree. Yeah, it, so they've moved that hole back sixty yards. It's like a uh, a bunch of little changes. Obviously, they've never never done anything significant with the routing of the course, but it always seems like there's a few tweaks every year. Yeah, um, they usually tweak some greens. They haven't done really much of anything in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I remember them doing was building, well, they, they messed around a little bit with the front right of three. And then they added that little uh, plateau on the, on the right side of seven. Mm. I don't think anything major, they're not even really major, but uh, something that catches your eye the first time you walk on a green or something. I don't think anything like that has happened in, in five, six years now. You had a great deal of success at Augusta. Outside of your win, you had a number of top tens. Was there something about the golf course that fit your eye or something about the golf course that really suited your game? No, not really. I mean, everybody says it's, uh, it's a hooker it's a guy that can draw the ball golf course, but I never thought it was. I, other than uh, the obvious on uh, 10 and 15, or 10 and 13, and a little bit on 14, we really had somewhat of an advantage hitting a draw off the tee. Uh, other than that, golf course never bothered me not being able to draw the ball very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love playing there. I love the golf course. Uh, I won early in my career, which <clears throat> gives you some, you know, gives you a good attitude going in every year. But uh, I love putting in the greens, as opposed to a lot of guys, you know, being afraid of the greens. I love putting. And uh, yeah, I just got along with the place, which usually happens. You go somewhere where you played well and, and you've won or come close to winning. Uh, you look forward to going back every time. Yeah, that I mean, the positive attitude I feel like is is huge for anything. When you go back to a place that you've won, it, having 
whereas other people have been burned by it. And I think about Rory a lot now with, you know, some of the, some of the troubles he's had out there is almost becomes a mental thing. Yeah. It it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine that you get going good. And and if it's happened a lot in the past, you back in the back of your mind, there's I hope I don't do this again, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit of a factor. People, um, always talk about, you know, for first timers, the advice they get from different players. If say one of the amateurs like Doug Gim or Doc Redman came up to you and asked for a piece of advice, what would it be? Well, their games are so now, but, uh, you know, the, the, the challenging thing about Augusta is you, you never in a year or two or three can learn the greens and around the greens. I think the golf course is a constant learning process forever. And, uh, you know, you have to know where you can miss it, where you can't short side it, obviously, for the irons to the greens. But uh, you can't go everywhere in, in three days of practice. You can't go absolutely everywhere on the golf course. You can try, but you can be out there for 10 hours a day. And, uh, and you know, the the, the uh, live and learn oh, it's pretty good there. When you miss a green in a couple spots where a pin is, <laughs> and uh, you get down and see what you have. Those are the ones you don't forget. And, yeah, those stick in your mind, and, and you know, uh, next time you go there and see that pin, like, well, you know what, I can't visit there. So it's it's a constant learning process, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I, everybody talks about, you know, approach shots, distance, and as you alluded to, that right-to-left shot, but it seems like the recovery shot is so important from around those greens there. Well, it's just you short side yourself there. It's impossible. In terms of the most underrated great hole out there, what, what's your favorite hole that might be a little less talked about than the obvious ones? Uh, that's a good question. Um, not sure I have an answer for it. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, my mind, number five used to be one of the hardest holes out there. But with the guys, as far as they days, it's not now. Um, you know, and every hole has its character. I think number nine is a lot harder hole than people give it credit for. It's, it's not the easiest you have to get, you know, but then again, these, the guys now these days, if they get down there and they get somewhere, they miss a tree that's going down, then they've got a wedge in. So, mm-hmm. you know, it takes away, uh, a lot of, a lot of the difficulty that is if you're stuck way back on the side of the hill. Obviously, there's some guys that don't hit it a mile still, but not many. <clears throat> but, um, you know, beauty, that's the beauty of that golf course. Every hole has its own character. Every hole is different. The par threes are all different. Uh, you've got one that's long and, and really hard from the back edge of the tee, top of the back tee. It's 250, I think, now. On four, you've got 180 yards, 170, 60. That way, you put the ends straight downhill on six. You've got obviously 12 with a little green over Ray's Creek. And then you've got 16, which is a fairly benign hole, except when they put the pin, depending on where they put the pin, they put it front right or top right. It's a really hard hole. They put it back left. You've got a good distance all at once. So every, every hole is different. Even the parties, fires are different, fours are different. And, uh, which, which is my sign of one of a classic golf course. I love a golf course. You play it once. You remember every hole in the golf course, and Augusta is definitely one of those courses. 
Yeah, I, I always think something else you alluded to is how you said you learn something every time you go around it. And I think that's another thing about great golf courses is every single time you play it, it, it <coughs> reveals itself a little bit more. Especially with Augusta. I mean, because, you know, Augusta is, for the most part, a very easy driving golf course. It's not difficult to get the ball in the fairways. But then that's where the fun begins, obviously. You talked about the distance a little bit. I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't know I'm a, I'm a I'm 31 so I I, w- I wasn't around when you know Dan Pole was in his heyday I didn't realize how such a, a prodigious driver of the golf ball he was and and you know what a great athlete he was and then in the playoff with you guys I saw he was hitting a seven iron into the tenth green which was pretty crazy. Uh yeah you could do it on ten all I had to do was get over the hill and you know this is hard and fast all the way down to the bottom. We drove it probably three steps apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was. He had, a, he had a really short backswing, still does, and, and but just got a lot of strength in his legs and his arms and, and uh, was a very long hitter back in those days. Mm-hmm. So everybody with the, I don't know if you've seen, they put all the final rounds onto YouTube the last 50 years of the Masters. Everybody's talking about their favorite years what shots or in, in tournaments and years do you think don't get spoken enough or forgotten? Well, they get fairly easy forgotten because there's so many of them. These guys are so good these days. And, uh, you know, you've got to, from, gosh, however far back you want to go. <laughs> you know, back in the 70s, you've got Jerry Pate sticking at a foot of the Atlantic athletic club you got early 80s you get watson chipping in at 17 at pebble uh all kinds of shots to choose from god knows how many miller and nicholas and learn player and you know player that little kind of short shot he hit and or something he stuck in the foot on 17 i guess i mean just all kinds of shots mm-hmm. that uh you know you don't have room for them all yeah yeah, yeah. It's, to uh, the gam, to the gammas, to the gammas made on eighteen to beat uh, Norman. The the bunker shot that Tway made to beat Norman. Uh, there's all kinds of of choices out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the shot, and not to bring up Norman, but the second shot he had on eighteen uh, to get beat, which was probably one of the one of the worst golf shots on a finishing hole, other than. Uh, you know, the guy in Memphis that made nine or, or obviously, um, Vandeveld, Vandeveld uh, Van at Turnberry. But, uh, you know, the shot that Greg hit a perfect drive on 18. Just perfect. I had an eight iron and missed it right in the right bunker. <laughs> uh, it's kind of hard to do. He got the position he's in that last hole. You don't, you wonder where the heck that stuff comes from. But, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, there's, there's a whole rash of 18 holes shots to choose from especially i mean when you think about if you're leading a major championship you're clearly pretty locked in so that's you know missing right of the uh the right bunker is even bigger like outside the dispersion for a guy that week because if you're leading you're obviously hitting the ball really well exactly and you know you the mindset you wonder what changes from the set from playing 71 holes brilliantly to the last hole Mm-hmm. I mean, it should be, you know, it should be the same mentality all the way through. And, well, this is what got me here. You know, I'm not going to hope I stay there. I'm just going to 
you'll want more. So <clears throat> is, when I, I, I play amateur golf, um, like a mid-am and state-am stuff, and um, I'm usually more nervous on the first tee than I am coming down the stretch at a tournament. Are, is that the way you felt in your career, or is it? Uh, was there specific spots on golf courses you were most nervous? No, uh, I think I was fairly fortunate. I didn't. I didn't get real nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of was when I started playing well. I loved. I played better, um, which wasn't all that often. I didn't play well that often, but but uh, you know, it differs for it differs for everybody. But uh, you know, some guys bask in the fact that they're in the top three every week coming down the stretch and they play better like Tiger probably obviously when he got mad he played better mm-hmm. almost unanimously almost 100% of the time and uh, but so yeah everybody's different and everybody handles uh whatever you want to call it nerves pressure butterflies uh being in the position they're in not being in the position they're in they want to be you know everybody handles it different you can't really pull out one or the other to you know Talk about a lot of these announcers talk about, you know, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. Should have. Well, that's what he plays, you know, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Everybody always likes to talk about Augusta using a master's ball that might be reduced distance. If they put that into place and on the first tee, they said, you, you have to play this ball or you don't play, do you think all the players would play? I don't think it will ever be a question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how they can do that. I don't see any way. There's just, there's so many contracts, ball contracts. There's uh, God knows how many different companies balls are being used every week. That's what that's what they sell golf balls with. Mm-hmm. That's their advertising right there. Um, guys using the majors and you know, a guy likes a softball, like guy likes a hard ball, guy likes a little less spin, a little more spin. You tell everybody up the select few that are, they build the ball. It's exactly when they're playing somehow. Uh, you have to change balls in your, after your career, in the middle of your career. So, and I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I don't know. The Masters is probably the only venue where it can happen because they're, uh, they're their own event. They can just say, you know, this is the way it is. And if that will happen, I, I it won't happen. But if it were to, I'm guessing that everybody would still play. But uh, when are you going to show them balls? you going to give them couple months to play a new ball while you're playing an old ball in regular two events. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, I don't think it's a viable concept. Sounds good, but in the plan, same as, same as Nicholas wanting to, you know, make one ball for the tour. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, who's going to make it? Are you going to make the say, is it PJ tour going to make it? They just stamp it with everybody's, all the different companies, logos, but it, even though it's the same ball and they don't make it, uh, it's just, it's not something that, that, can work i don't think yeah it's it's tricky it's uh it, like i don't see it i don't see it happening most uh great ideas and executing them are are two different challenges and uh but it's um you know with the fairways and how i guess had they started cutting them the different direction at, towards the end of your playing career there uh They've done various things over the years. <laughs> I know, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories with past champions, uh, one year they 
we played on practice round on Tuesday, and they had about a, oh, I don't know, the moors are probably 10 foot wide, and they went down on the creek towards the green. Next one came back towards the tee down, and they went opposite directions every 10 feet mowing the fairway, either towards the tee or towards the green. And uh, after the dinner, there's kind of a Q&A for the, for the chairman and who was Horton Harden at the time. This is probably in the early 90s. And Arnold got on, on third. You, you've mowed the fairways different direction every, every width of the mower, uh, going down hole or going into the into the hole back towards the tee. Because if you hit a drive and hit the down green, you you roll around the corner forty yards. You hit it six inches right, get the one more towards the tee. It's going to check, roll five feet, and have mud on the ball. There's a reason for that. Or just looked at Arnold and he said, "Well, we'll take that up in front of our board of experts." And I looked at him. He says, "Well, Hard, what uh, what exactly do you think you have in this room tonight?" And Hard just looked at him. He said, "Well, we'll take that up in front of our board of experts." <laughs> <laughs> so that was rather rather humorous and rather rather just unbelievable. He just like really, <laughs> and he had a perfect point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, come Thursday, they're all mowed the same direction, so all the fairways. <laughs> so they it. did change it, which they you know because it, it it took it, it took a fairly large amount of fairness out of the game on that hole, especially. Mm-hmm. Do they ever ask past champions or players for input? Uh, well, there were, there were a couple past champions involved in the decision to. Uh, Way back when to tell you back in 2008 or something to tell you that once you turned 65, you, you couldn't play anymore. And which is probably, you know, come making back to bite them in the butt is one of the worst decisions they ever made. But they did fortunately reverse it like three, four months later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got, you got Jack Nick, 65, who still plays pretty good and, Thousands and thousands of people want to come out and watch Nicholas, and the same with Palmer. And you're going to tell them both at 65 they can't play anymore. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom well, Watson. That didn't take long. That didn't take long to reverse. Yeah, it took like a couple months to reverse that decision. <laughs> Tom, Tom Watson almost won a major championship at 60. So, sure. yep. Um, so yep. the 12th hole obviously gets talked a lot about. Is is that kind of the point of the golf course that is the toughest single shot out there, or is there another one that makes you think a little bit more? Uh, no, I don't think there's a shot on that golf course that, that has the same uh, same scrambled news and bends and you know what your thoughts are not news, but you know what you what you think your head can change so often. Uh, with the wind and and everything else, I don't think there's a there's a harder golf shot in golf than the twelve. Uh, possibly with a with a downwind forty mile an hour wind, which it never happens. But if it was seventeen, the TPC might be as hard a shot. But you know, it's uh, as good as these guys are. It's still very very much a guessing game on that tee every day. Mm-hmm. You just can't. You look at eleven and the pins. And the flag's blowing straight back at the tee. You look at all the flags blowing to the right 
standing up blowing to the right and you look over to the right on 13 and the trees blowing to the left. So <laughs> you just never know what's going on with that hole. <laughs> so it, you don't have any, any little tricks for the wind there. No, you're just very happy to get it on. You're very happy to get it on the green if it's windy and it's pretty much always windy down in that corner as well. <laughs> so, um, we get uh, last question, then we'll get you out of here with our. We do this overrated, underrated segment. But who are you picking this week? Picked anybody. I, I started. I I thought about it last week. We were doing a radio show, and uh, all about twenty five names popped into my head. So <laughs> you've got a lot of guys playing really well right now. You got Phil playing well. Tiger's coming back. Rory's playing well. Justin Thomas is playing great. Uh, just a, a number of guys are playing really, really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, it'll be a good event. It always is. But uh, I don't know if I were to pick one. Well, I, I really don't know. You know, Bubba won last week. He loves the place. So you just have a slew of players that could win. Yeah, I was putting together a storylines piece, and I, I mean – I was kept writing and I got to like 1600 words and I, I felt like I left some stuff out. It, it, I, I can't remember a, a masters that has had so much um, interesting kind of build up with big name winners, obviously tiger coming back. It, it should be a great week this week. Yeah. Tiger coming back. Phil's playing great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can just, you can go down and on, on 10 hands, you can cut them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think there's about 20 guys that you wouldn't be surprised if they won, which is which is pretty crazy. No. So and you know, you're talking about those five or eight we just talked about and then you're leaving out you're leaving out Jason Day and and whoever else whoever else whoever else uh right. you know, there's just there's potential for a lot of people, a lot of guys to win. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even bring up Speeth or uh Rory. Yeah. So Jordan Speeth, there you go. I mean yeah. Yep. So, um, overrated, underrated. You just uh, you can just say you know one, or you can expand. Uh, pimento cheese sandwiches. Uh, underrated, especially for the price there. Oh, uh, definitely underrated. <laughs> driving down Magnolia Lane. Extremely underrated. The fourteenth hole. And it's got a lot. Of, it's got a lot of hype too. It's still underrated. What's that? And then the fourteenth hole. Uh, eh, I would say about either. <laughs> it's probably you know if you if you want to, it's in the middle somewhere. But <clears throat> as opposed to past years, I would say probably now it's a little overrated. Because they lost that big pine tree on the left side of the green, mm-hmm. made that made that second shot to the left pin a lot easier than it ever was. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. All right. Well, Craig, thanks so much for your time, and uh, we look forward to watching the Masters and appreciate your insights into uh, Augusta. My pleasure. Be a great week again, as yeah. it always is. <laughs>